Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time, but I'm here to tell you, there's something else. This podcast. <laughs> a podcast of never-ending happiness. You can always hear our hot takes, day or night. So when you call up that shrink, you know the one, doctor, you don't have health insurance, what the hell are you doing here? Instead of asking him how long this episode is, ask him if he'd like to get a drink. Because in this life, drinks are more expensive than in the afterworld. In this life, you pay your tab. Welcome to Rock Candy! <laughs> that was beautiful. Right? Good I'm job. I'm real cute. I'm real cute like that. I was You're like, cute. But now I want to listen to Let's Go Crazy. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> the other tries to take you down. Go crazy. Yeah. So, so now you know. So, you, duh. So, duh. We're talking about Purple Rain, bitches! Yay! Yeah. Not just Prince, but Purple Rain. Specifically, specifically Purple Rain. Uh, specifically. Pacifically. Pacifically. Purple Rain. Um, but yeah, we actually recently saw the movie, and I don't know. And we have opinions. Oh, we do. We have opinions, which we'll get to at the end. I'm going to try to spend most of the episode. It's mostly a lot of bullet point type facts about the movie, but I think you'll all find it kind of interesting. Things you may or may not have known. Mm-hmm. Also, spoiler alerts. Oh, yeah. Lots um, of in the them. beginning, I'll, I'll try to keep it as spoily, spoily, spoily free. Anti-spoily. Anti-spoily. <laughs> So New word. Like, Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to keep it as spoiler free as possible. Um, although, I mean, really, there's not a huge plot in this. There, no. No, so I mean. Like there's a ton to spoil, but I will try to keep it as spoiler free as possible. Yeah. I mean, if you're that concerned about spoilers with Purple Rain, I've, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't. don't know. And um, I'm going to also try and keep my sniffles and hacks and <clears throat> to a minimum. Oh, you mean that? <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Uh, you know, Ashley's sick. It's I got, fine. I got the spring death. Everybody gets it. At least I get it. Yo, you don't, you might not know this, but when you get older, you get the spring death. Yeah. And the, and the fall death. Oh, yeah. The fall death. But I feel Both like are equally. Worse. Well, yeah, because spring is the first one of the year. You're like, ooh, get ready for this. But I'm really hoping that maybe at some point during our podcast, it will turn into like the Phoebe Buffay uh, cold singing voice. Where yes. That episode where she sounded really sexy when yeah. she was singing Smelly Cat and everybody really liked it. Yeah. I always I always want to get that because I, I have a dopey voice and I always hope maybe I'll get a nice sexy voice if I get a cold. No, but it, I always just end up being a mouth breather and then it's bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't like I don't like mouth noises. I will I will try not to make them. Anyway, for this evening's beverage choice, we went with Empire's Deep Purple. No, we're not talking about smoke on the water. No, we're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're Look, there's a lot of purple beers. None of them called Purple Rain that I could find around here, and all of them are band references, though. Other bands. Other as bands. In deep. Deep Purple, Purple Haze purple is Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, when we yeah. do Jimi Hendrix, you'll know, because we're going to drink Purple Haze. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> um, this is an interesting beer. It's tasty, but it's interesting because it's like someone said, hey, I like Welch's grapefruit ju- or just grape juice. Welch's grape juice, and I'm going to put it in a beer. Yeah, pretty much. And it's interesting, but it's it's actually, it's growing on me. It's kind of like a sour almost. But yeah, with that, I think I'll... um. Just gonna get right into it. Let's go crazy. Ha, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. But also, just to throw that out there too, it seemed fitting to do this episode because some of you may or may not realize it. 
recently, two days ago, was the second year anniversary of Prince's death. So, so, so much for us doing happy time April. Yeah. <laughs> Last week, let's celebrate Kurt Cobain's death. <laughs> this we week, did, let's you know celebrate Prince's death. We did two weeks death. of happy people, and then yeah. we did two weeks of dead people. It's fine. But they're, they're dead people that still make you happy, so right? that's fine. These were fun. So, just to kind of give a basic summary, Purple Rain is the story of The Kid, played by Prince, who leads a band called The Revolution in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I always want to say Missouri, and I knew that was wrong. So far... Such a stretch for him. <laughs> um, I Where did he possibly get this inspiration from? I, the whole time, not the whole time, probably half the movie when we're watching, I'm like, where the fuck are they? I did too. And I was like, is it New York City? Because they don't New see New York City. City. And I was like, it's got to be like Minneapolis or something because he's from uh, 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 Minnesota. Is, he is from Minnesota, right? Yes, he is. Yeah. So I figured it was probably Minneapolis, although it totally looked like New York City. Yeah, it was really weird. I didn't realize how metropolitan Minneapolis yeah. was. Or also, I didn't think they had that kind of scene in Minneapolis, but sure. Okay. Yeah, come to find out, they have a pretty decent music scene going on there, so that's fun. Good for you, Minneapolis. Proud of you. Proud of you. <laughs> anyway, you know, he's trying to overcome his parents' abusive relationship, the naysayers at the club he regularly performs at, and of course, his own ego. The movie is quasi-autobiographical as it reflects some aspects of Prince's own life. Some similarities include his father also being a fairly established local musician, his parents having a tumultuous relationship, they did divorce when he was a kid, and having an unstable relationship with them himself. Prince's father actually told him in real life to never get married, which is a classic scene in the movie as well. So yes. he took that from his real life. One could even argue that proving the critics wrong was just as autobiographical. The creation of the music for Purple Rain was Prince kind of experimenting with sound. He wanted to create more of a rock and roll sound, but he still kept in that R&B feel, so the combination was a total success and solidified him as a talented visionary that we know him as today. Nice. Yeah. So there were many things this film was like just against this film right from the get-go <laughs> first of all prince his band and most of the characters were played by people who have never acted before you don't say yeah weird most, most of the characters <laughs> you'd never be able to tell i mean apollonia mm. spot on didn't acting. win a razzie oh no wait but she did uh, oh Ouch. So also, Prince was notorious for being private and not doing any press, so he didn't even do any interviews for this film. Uh, so you, you, you kind of can't not do talking that. talking about this film at all. You kind of can't do that. Like, Prince I mean, can. I mean, <laughs> when did this come out? It was 1984. So yeah, I mean, it, it. there isn't the red carpet culture that there is now. Right. But, but you still had to promote your movie well, if exactly. you wanted it to come out. And that's what the producers were saying what do you mean you're not going to do press and so he ended up having wendy and lisa his two bandmates go out and do majority of the press for the movie so he did somebody was doing press it just wasn't prince which was weird but okay i mean you want to star in your movie but you don't want to do any of the work that comes with promoting it he doesn't want anybody knowing shit about him well then just say no comment So right, he's just gonna go on a show to be interviewed. So tell me what this movie's about. No comment. Well, he doesn't have to be like, oh yo, it's about my life. I mean, you don't right. have to go into specifics. Just be like, it's kind of autobiographical, but it's not one hundred percent true to my life. Oh no, you know, you you will soon discover Prince is not that kind of person. 
you don't say. So the studio was contemplating doing a limited release to 200 theaters because they were certain that this was going to flop. However, after doing a few screenings to absolute massive success, they decided to go ahead with the full release. And that was a good move because the film that was made for $7 million ended up bringing in over $70 million worldwide. Which is kind of crazy because I always thought that this movie was a total flop. Or a cult classic. I didn't yeah. realize that it was it was a huge box office success. And I thought that the album for the movie was a huge success, but everybody hated the movie. Yeah, that's what I thought too, but I, I, it, it was on both accounts apparently. But this is why I can't trust my one-year-old self yeah. in, from 1984. We didn't know. We weren't even <laughs> we one. We didn't know. TBH, we weren't even one at the point. We were still just little noobs. Little noobs. Little noobs. Noob noob. Uh, It was also the last film to receive the Academy Award for Best Original Song Score. They dismissed the category the year after that. So, good job, Freds. Well, cool. Makes it even more special? Sure. Okay. Well, it shouldn't surprise anyone because the soundtrack is bala. But I mean, also, once Prince wins Best Movie Soundtrack... Nobody else needs to win it. That's You're not it. going You're done. from there. That's it. The category is done. It's, that's it. <laughs> the soundtrack sold 25 million copies around the world, and it featured new material from Prince and the Revolution, including three chart-hitting singles, When Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, and Purple Rain. The first two both hit number one, and Purple Rain hit number two. Mm-hmm. Um, what you really need to know about the plot, without spoiling it, is that the Revolution is one of three bands that plays in a constant rotation at the First Avenue nightclub. The other two were Des Dickerson, former guitarist of the Revolution, and his band, The Modern Airs. And of course, the fabulous Morris Day in the motherfucking time. (laughs) One could argue that Morris Day is the antagonist, I guess. I guess he's supposed to be. I feel like he's kind of half antagonist, half bumbling idiot. Yeah. So he like he he kinda wants to be the antagonist, but you can't take him seriously enough. Yeah, it's it's like he has a half harebrained scheme. Yeah. That goes against Prince, therefore he is the antagonist. Plus he's funny. He's he really, really funny, funny in the movie. He and Jerome steal the fucking show. <laughs> With they their are fucking so who's funny. on first bit they was fantastic. They basically do a who's on first <laughs> and bit And they keep for five it going. Minutes. Oh my god, like I was dying. I was like, I'm good now. I I've, yeah. I've gotten what I need to get out of this I love, movie. I love Jerome though, because the way he plays off of Morris. Yeah. Hilarious. And then there's a scene at the end when he's like walking past Prince's uh, dressing room, when Prince is in there sulking, yep. and he like walks past <laughs> and then doubles back and looks in, he's like, How's parents? Oh! <laughs> and spoilers. Spoilers. It's not really. Not really. But believe me, it's funny. And it's really funny. It's so <laughs> fucked. I love it. Oh, it's, it's really good. Well, see, so Morris knew that the revolution w- had some friction going on because the kid. Uh, didn't want to do the song that the two female musicians in the band right. wanted to do. So he was aware that they weren't doing so hot and at the time. Weirdly, like, they they were using their real names, Lisa and Wendy. Yeah, Lisa were, and Wendy. They were playing Lisa and Wen- Wendy from, yeah. f- from the revolution. Right. But they were, in real life, they are Wendy and Lisa from the revolution. Right. Honestly, um, little fact, everybody except for the kid and his parents, they all use their real names. Yeah. All the characters are their actors' names. So it it makes it easy to know who's who, because you know who Morris Day is. Right. <laughs> At least so, you should. Yeah, right? Don't <laughs> learn yourself. <laughs> so 
Morris Day decides he's going to try to get the club owner to give the revolution the boot by him making his own girl group called Apollonia Six, which is going to lead with uh, the kid's love interest, Apollonia. Who is supposed to be 19 in this movie. What? She ain't 19. No. no she Bitch looks is lying. She is <laughs> lying. Well, in the 80s, it was posh to look older than you were. Whereas now right. you need to look younger than you are. Right. And I understand that. But at the same time, she ain't fooling nobody. She ain't 19. Yeah. Well, the kid tries to stay out of the house as much as possible because his parents' relationship is super toxic. Uh, verbally and physically abusive dad, emotionally abusive mother. So he's staying out of the house as much as he can. And throughout the movie, the kid seems to be too caught up in trying to pursue Apollonia to really work on his material and their performances apparently suffer. But I don't see it because he... Like, that's the best part of this movie, I'm going to say it right now, is watching them perform. Yes. The musical scenes are the best. That's kind of the main focus, I think, of the movie. Right. Because the acting is so bad. (laughs) It really is really bad. But... The musical scenes make up for it. And they the, really do. The good thing about it is that there is a good balance between the really good performance scenes and the the kind of hilarious acting scenes. Yeah. Um, and there's a good balance between the music and the storyline. So, you know, you don't get bored. You don't right. get annoyed. You don't get like, oh, this is fucking stupid. Because every, like, it's a good pace to yeah. go at. Yeah, I would laugh because Billy would, the club owner Billy would say, hey, you know, nobody's really entertained by your bit. And I was like, that is not true. I Everyone am thoroughly entertained, sir. Loves watching <laughs> them perform. I don't think, yeah, I think you are not selling it to me. Yeah. But also the club owner Billy would also tell him like, oh, you're going to waste your talents just like your dad did, which, you know, exposes us to the fact that his dad also had a career in music and maybe the kid is going to go down the same destructive path foreshadowing right there you go yeah and like we're saying you know the film mixes scenes of performances which are fantastic to watch and then other scenes that apparently move the plot forward i guess plot question mark plotish (laughs) it plots along yeah i do i did feel at one point like getting towards the end i'm like is this going to go somewhere? Because, like, I like watching the performances and everything, but you're kind of, like, pumping the brakes a little too much, yeah. and I'm not really sure where you're I'm going. I'm not really sure what we're supposed to be getting out of it. But right. I, okay. I digress. <laughs> so, between the album 1999, which is the album that came out before this movie, mm-hmm. um, and when this movie was even beginning to start, the revolution experienced some changes that really influenced the way Prince's music would sound going forward, namely with the switching of lead guitarists. Des Dickerson and Prince's relationship was on the rocks. By the end of the 1999 tour, Des wanted to make his own music instead of taking direction from someone else. Also, as a devout Christian, he found himself growing increasingly uncomfortable with the lyrics that they were putting out. I would say so. Yeah, I mean, even if, 1999 had some risque shit on it. Um, Prince was pretty much risque right off the bat. Yeah. So, but, you know, Des knew what he was getting into. He did. And I think as he kept getting into it, a mix between, oh, I don't feel comfortable with these lyrics and, ooh, and I also really don't want to be in your band anymore. 
That helps as an excuse. Yeah, that helps. So when Prince approached him with the movie idea and the caveat that he would be obliged to fulfill a multi-year contract, Des just couldn't agree with it, so he departed. Okay. He's like, all right, I can't do this. So it was a little, there was a lot of friction, but they seemed to have departed on good terms, especially because Des did get to be in the movie. Right. I was just going to say, wasn't he one of the bands? Yeah, he was that random band that you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And as a matter of fact, I don't even remember him. I 100% remember him because I remember thinking, who the, who the fuck, fuck is, is this guy? guy? <laughs> now I know. Uh, so Prince's keyboardist, Lisa, was dating a talented 19-year-old guitarist named Wendy. Prince liked her and thought that she had what it would take to bring the band up a level. He asked Lisa how she felt about Wendy being in the band, and of course she gave it her full support. And thus Wendy became the revolution's new guitarist. And you know what? Miss Wendy was the best actor in the entire movie. Oh, he's, well, she was There fantastic. were three good actors in that movie, and it was Wendy, Morris Day, and Jerome. Yep. Now, <laughs> Wendy, I think, has actual acting talents, and I think Morris Day and Jerome are just really funny. Yeah. Like, Wendy didn't have to be funny. She kind of had to be more dramatic than everybody else. But, but I she, believed her. She landed it. Oh, no, she landed it. She's Bitch probably, is a natural. No, she's good. <laughs> But the most notable effect was that despite Wendy's talents, Prince would have to make up for some of the shortcomings that only served to make him a better guitarist. There are just some certain things she couldn't do, so he was just like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to do it. He relied more heavily on Dez because he was so seasoned, so Prince kind of let him do his own thing. So when he had to help Wendy, it's like, well, that makes me a better guitarist. And that's really what made him step up his game, too. And it's really given him more of that rock and roll feel. (laughs) Also, Prince and the Revolution... Now looked like the most diverse group you've ever seen. People yeah, have different totally. colors, different genders. They're all contributing to this amazing sound. And Prince finally had what he always wanted. Sly and the Family Stone meets Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. And on top of that, you have a lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. You have Prince, who is ambiguous in every way, shape, yeah. and form. Racially, sexually, everything. Right. Which is super risque for 1984. Yeah. And then you still got, you know, you still got another black guy in the band. You also have a white dude in the band. Like, you still yeah. have, like, Everybody. so much diversity. Yeah. It's really, it was, i watching the movie, I was like, oh, shit. It's, Is this really his band? And it's, when watching it, it's, uh, it's weird to think, like, wow, this was uh, 20, no, 30, four years ago. Ugh. This was 35. <laughs> Wait a minute. I like how you had to math 1984, the year we were born. Uh, it's I know my you're age, bitch. but like. It's, it's my fucking age. Yeah. We're. we're, we're, we're <laughs> it's our age. Oh. Uh, anyway. Purple Rain could drink when we could drink. Yeah. Oh, we should have taken it out for drinks on its 21st birthday. Uh, we could have all Could've. learned how to drive together. Oh. <laughs> Maybe in another life. I'd like to see the timeline where that happens. <laughs> it's just us going into a bar with a copy of the Purple Rain vinyl. <laughs> no, no. The Purple Rain VHS. <laughs> yes. There you go. Lovely. That's it. <laughs> so to get into the script a little bit, Prince was developing the concept for this film during his 1999 tour. He knew I want to do a fucking movie. He carried a notebook of sketches and lyrics and general ideas with him. He also had a lot of performances taped so he could go back and watch them later. And the film would go on to be produced by his managers. And people are wondering, well, how the hell did you get a movie? How, how the hell did Prince get a movie made? 
who decided that? Well, his contract was up, and they wanted <laughs> Warner Brothers wanted to sign him again. They're like, yo. Let's get you back in here. Well, that's a good time to have some caveats in there. Mm. So Prince's caveat was, yeah, I'll sign again, but I want a movie. Right. So here you go. You got his managers and, and Warner Brothers hustling their balls off because they're like, well, we can't lose Prince. Because 1999 was a huge hit. Yeah. He was at the height. Yeah. Well, he was he was just he was, about to hit the peak well, and like, they knew it. It was like one of his heights. Yeah. Because he had many. That's true. Yeah, Prince never had just like a height and a fall. He's always kind of had like a little roller coaster, which yeah. I imagine is fun. He had a nice mountain range. Ooh, <laughs> some Adirondacks. <laughs> so the script was originally written by William Blinn, but there were parts where he went a little too dark with the plot. So Albert Magnoli lightened up the script for the final product. Blinn wanted to call the movie Dreams, but Prince definitely wanted the word purple to Sorry, be somewhere that's in the title. Stupid. Oh no, it's no. real stupid. Let's see Fleetwood Mac. It's Prince. Yeah. It's Purple Rain. It's Purple Rain. But, like, Prince's favorite color is purple. Obvi. Yeah. And he's like, well, purple needs to be in the title somewhere. And it's like, Pur- Purple Dreams? Dream, dream in purple? I don't, we'll, we'll come up with it, I guess. Either way, um, the original script involved a murder-suicide with the kids' parents, Whoa. less music, and more cerebral Whoa. sequences. Pump the brakes, dude. <laughs> no. Yeah, this Pump is... Pump the brakes. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Pump the brakes. They were like, I had you at murder suicide. You're like, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Hold up. I'm all for a good mur- murder suicide, but not in a Prince movie. Not in a Prince movie. No. And not when I'm not going to have some fucking music to to kind of break up the monotony yeah, like, of murder suicide. If you're going to throw Darling Nikki in there, I can't handle Darling Nikki. And a murder-suicide. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. It's one of the other bitches. <laughs> so, Blinn said it was hard to work with Prince. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> That's gonna be, you don't say number three. <laughs> Fucking right. It was hard to work with Prince to write the script because, as we know, Prince is a private and quiet person. I, and even I, trying to tell a writer how to write about his life is like herding cats. Yeah, and, like, I kind of feel like you don't really tell Prince what to do. Like, Prince tells you what to do. Yeah. But when you need Prince to tell you about his life, and he's yeah. not going to do it. Like, like, can you imagine the horrifying cyclical drama of that? I just picture Prince going up to him and just being like, I want to write a movie about my life. Okay, tell me about your life. I'm not going to tell you about my life. And well, then he just, like, spins around and disappears <laughs> in a cloud of smoke. He's like, well, tell me about your parents. No. <laughs> no! <laughs> but then he would, like, randomly come up behind you and be like, my favorite color is purple. <laughs> yeah, I know that! I get it! <laughs> I want to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just picturing this now, like, just <laughs> Prince be appearing out of nowhere, crawling up behind William Blood and just totally Literally him crawling like the fucking When Doves Cry video. Yeah. <laughs> He's just there all of a sudden. And then William Blood turns around, he's not there anymore. And he's like, what the fuck did I sign up for? How can I write a, a movie for this man who's never here? He's here when he wants me to be. Hey, I'm thinking about like six years, I'm going to make a song called The Bat Dance. <laughs> it's a bad idea, Prince. I don't care. <laughs> oh. Doing it. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> also, sidebar. 
I didn't realize that Lake Minnetonka was in Minnesota. I've never heard of it, so um, sure. You've never seen the Chappelle bit? Yeah, but I don't remember that part. Yeah, there, there's a part where he's like, why don't you cool yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? <laughs> So when he said, you have to jump into the waters of Lake Minnetonka, I'm like, oh, he got that from this fucking movie. <laughs> That's what it's from. That's what it's from. <laughs> so I, I didn't realize. I thought it was like, I don't even know, in some magical land. Just something made up. Because Minnet- Minnetonka sounds pretty made up. It does. Honestly. And I bet it's Native but, American. But, and now I feel like a piece of shit. But honestly, half of the shit that's like named for native american stuff in new york sounds like it's made up it does and it's mispronounced yes sorry (laughs) whatever it's spelled like you pronounce it the exact opposite yeah that's what we do here in new york yep so blinn was aware that the script when it was finally finished it's a little tv a little square that's what he his words square a little square (laughs) hey beef it's a little square. It was, apparently. <laughs> even though there's a fucking murder-suicide in it. But whatever. <laughs> he assumed the director would have some rewrites, and he was fine with it. I think he was just kind of over the whole working with uh, Prince yeah. thing. He was tired of the magic tricks. And here's the problem. The problem's finding a director. Because nobody wanted to touch this. Oh, that's kind of sad. It was a little sad. You know, they're, like, they're hustling. They're trying to find somebody. Nobody's really interested. Everybody's turning it down. Everybody kept passing on the script, and then manager slash producer Robert Cavallo, when I was doing these notes, I kept wanting to call him Cavallo, but he's not, <laughs> he's not Spanish. He but can I want be. to call him Roberto Cavallo. That was <laughs> Roberto <worst>. Cavallo. <laughs> you don't even know how many times I had to say that name out loud to make sure I didn't say it wrong. And I still said it wrong, because fuck you. Is he Italian, not Spanish? I assume he's Italian. He's Italian. I haven't met him yet. <laughs> So uh, this is all just an end game to meet everybody I talk about. The next time you meet him, you'll have to ask. I'll ask him, are you Italian? (laughs) Anyway, so he met a young film engineer named Albert Magnoli. And after some back and forth, Cavallo convinced Magnoli to direct the film. You know, at first he was like, I don't know, because he's fresh out of fucking film school. Like, this kid is green as hell. But that's the only thing you're going to get. Right. Is somebody fresh out of fucking film school exactly he agrees to do it and right off the bat albert comes up with solid rewrites and makes it way more palatable so cavallo's on board right away that's and it was it was a good education a hundred percent because albert was the one who came up with the opening sequence he thought having the band start the movie with a musical number was a great way to establish the characters without having to do it through dialogue so and honestly the movie opens up, you're like, yeah, I'm fucking ready for this. Because it starts with Let's Yo, Go Crazy. The girl who is like three rows up from us, oh my she God. was having a time she when it started. She was having a time. <laughs> she was having a time with the time when they had that music video oh, yeah. before the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was living for this woman. She was great. She really was. <laughs> so the other managers slash producers weren't as keen on Magnolia's new vision and told him as much when he flew to Minneapolis to meet with them in Prince. When Prince asked him what he thought of his original script, Magnoli told him honestly he thought it sucked and proceeded to explain to him where he would like to go with it. And you know what? Prince was probably like, you have balls. I like that. I appreciate that. I appreciate your balls. And then he disappears. And then he disappears. Like, where'd he go? And then all of a sudden he shows up in another booth in the diner like, no, I'm over here. <laughs> He's fucking Ben Stiller in Arrested Development. <laughs> 
I'm here. I'm queer. And now I'm over here. <laughs> yes. But, ben but, Stiller stole it from Prince. He, yeah, I was going to say, like, Ben Stiller totally ripped that off of Prince. <laughs> Magnolia gives him his rundown of how he thinks the movie should go. And Prince asks him, okay, what do you know about me? And Magnolia responds with, really nothing. To which Prince said, then how is it in 10 minutes you told me my life story? And then disappears. And then he comes back and he goes, I'm in love with you. And runs away. (laughs) I'm just picturing him like shirtless in pants and heels running away. (laughs) I can't. I fucking can't. The rest of this night I'm just going to be picturing. (laughs) I hope all of you listening have the same exact images and, you know what? and i hope you're laughing too because this is I'm, hilarious i'm not even on nyquil or anything no it's just, <laughs> so. we're just this is, this is just print i get so serious doing my research that i forget how funny it can be it is and honestly i love this movie but it's really fucking funny. oh yeah oh, it's yeah. so funny all right so while magnolia went to work creating the final script the cast got to acting and dancing lessons because like i said None of them have acted before. <laughs> so while Prince took it very seriously, of course, of course, Morris Day was kicked out for being a class clown. <laughs> and this was no surprise. Yeah, Morris. No surprise because he uses this over-the-top nature to really steal the show in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, a few days later, I was like, you know who was really fucking funny in that movie, though? It was Morris Day yeah. and Jerome. I mean, that there was another scene where uh, Morris took Apollonia to the club and they were sitting together and i don't know if he was trying to act really drunk or if (laughs) he was was trying trying to act really drunk. okay because he did a really good i'm drunk and trying to hit on you and i'm looking at you funny right (laughs) you know that kind (laughs) of that kind of drunk yeah oh fucking hilarious it was it's so funny so originally cast as prince's love interest was vanity from vanity six however she would also have been offered a chance to play Mary Magdalene in Scorsese's The Last Temptation of Christ. She knew this would be a better opportunity and would also mean more money. She also stated that if she stayed on Prince's film, they would not pay her enough for the shit she would have to go through. Oh, yeah. I Yeah, Vanity was like the first Apollonia. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, Prince has had a lot of Vanities and a lot of Apollonias <laughs> in his career. So... Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was too, uh, like, put out no. by her not. He's probably just like, all right, I'll just keep moving. But unfortunately for Vanity, the role of Mary Magdalene ended up going to a different actress. I was going to say, so I don't think said, she really was in that. No, she wasn't. Yeah. No, oh, that sucks. And uh, where's Vanity now? I don't know. I don't know. But where's Apollonia now? I don't know. <laughs> So, during a slew of auditions for a new female lead, in walks Patricia Cotero, and unlike the other women who came in with 8-inch heels and leather outfits, she just got out of the gym and was still wearing sweats and no makeup. And then she's in... This is Apollonia? Yeah. So, yeah, then she's in the movie, and she's in 8-inch heels and head-to-toe leather. Yup. But (laughs) they liked how light and sweet she seemed, and after Prince deemed her good enough to work with... I'm sorry, good to work with. I shouldn't say good enough good to work enough. with. Because I don't think he said that. He said good to work with. I just... That was Freudian. Oops. She was put into the role of Apollonia. And to front the Apollonia 6, as opposed to the Vanity 6. So both Vanity 6 and Apollonia 6 
are real music acts that have been put together by Prince. Yes. And if you're wondering what I was wondering, which is why six when there are only when three there's singers, only three yeah. in both groups, only three singers. Well, <laughs> apparently that's because between the three of them, Prince could count six breasts. Oh, that's it's nice. a titty joke. Ah, uh, <laughs> I was like, really? God damn it! That's All right. That's that's shitty. That's shitty, Prince. Disappointed. <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to the shit later. We're, we'll we'll get, get to the shit. <laughs> we'll get to the shit. They began filming in October in Minnesota. Oh, I just had a joke and it came too late. How's it? <laughs> I can. I mean, I can. Well, now I want to know. Well, you know, he could count six breasts, but he can also count six middle fingers. Oh yeah, he can. That's how math works. See, I can math. Unless one of them had only one hand. I'm no, pretty sure they all had two hands. <laughs> I'm sure there were six middle fingers. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> so they began filming in October, and at that point, the weather was fair enough. They were, just, again, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. so It's cold. It's cold, but October's fine. However, by December, it was absolutely too damn cold. With temps hitting negative 29 degrees and snowfall was around 21 inches, it's no surprise the main thing everyone involved in this project remembers is the miserable weather. And the fact that they were basically wearing underwear and high heels. All of them. Yeah. So when Apollonia had to shoot the scene in which she jumps into the lake to prove herself to Prince, again, Lake Minnetonka, which it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> they had to, they did it in four takes. Oh, she had to do that four times? Four times. So, no surprise, she almost went into hypothermia. Yeah. And Girl. They they brought her into the tech tent, and they're like, oh, shit. Prince actually ran into the tent, and he helped to try to warm her up, because they're like, oh, fuck. Oh, really? Because I thought he just wanted to counter titties. (laughs) (laughs) He just needed to make sure she had two. He didn't run into the tent. He just appeared into the tent. It was like, poof, two titties. Two titties. Now I'm going to warm you up. That's how that worked. Because he knew we would do it, I, I assume. <laughs> anyway, they decidedly stopped shooting that scene in Minnesota. And what you might not realize is that the close-up shots of them talking were actually filmed in L.A. And sometimes if you look into the background, you can see a palm tree or two. So they will film them talking yep. in L.A., yep. but they won't do the poor girl a solid and film her jumping into a freezing lake mm-hmm. in L.A. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Good job, guys. That's, that's a good idea. Now, Prince wasn't used to not having absolute control over his work, so he was always butting heads with Magnolia saying, I don't like this. This isn't how I tell my story, because... Filming itself was a GD mess. By day seven, they were already two weeks behind, so the studio had to hire people to come in and kind of sift through the script and make shit shorter. And Prince was not having it, because he's like, but this isn't what we agreed on. But you're Well, that's what happens when you fuck shit up. Kind of. Don't forget, not only is this a film, but to an extent, it's a music video, so both sides of acting and music needed to be on point. And that made the crew that much larger and that much more chaotic. You had music people fighting with film people, fighting right. with this, and I'm nobody's sure getting had, on the same page. You kind of had to have everybody that would normally work on a movie <laughs> along with everybody that would normally work at a concert. Mm-hmm. And you had both of them on set at the same time trying to do their shit. Exactly. 
and everybody's getting in everybody's way. Yeah, it was it was absolute chaos. So Princess Tory manager Alan Leeds was there, and he would try to put out as many fires as he could. And he's kind of, in a way, Prince's right hand man, because Prince decided that the only one who could talk to his people, like the Revolution or Morris Day or Apollonia, was Alan Leeds. So if somebody had a note for them or a call or whatever, they couldn't they just had talk to, to them. They couldn't talk to them. They had to tell Alan, and Alan had to tell them. <sighs> yeah. So this is a hot mess. Yeah. It's freezing. It's a terrible place to film. It, nobody's getting along. And they're Prince behind is schedule. About the script and nobody's nitpicking. An actor. Yeah. Everyone sucks. <laughs> like, how is this going to happen? How the fuck is this supposed to come together? Right. As for Prince himself, though, dude was dedicated. While still tweaking the script, he was also still writing music, watching the film's dailies, studying his concert footage, memorizing the script, and overall learning how to act. Motherfucker was putting everything he had into this. I gotta give him that. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, Morris Day was reportedly difficult to work with. <laughs> Apparently. Hey, hey, you don't say. <laughs> but Cersei. The class say. clown who is difficult to work with. <laughs> well, apparently the time was going through its own internal issues over leadership. And on top of that, it was suspected that Morris was using some kind of substances. I'm not going to say it's it. It's the 80s. I'm not going to say it's it. It's the 80s. Everybody's using. Yeah. He was frequently late to shooting or sometimes wouldn't show up at all. Oh. There were scenes where he was supposed um. to actually talk to the kid, but he wasn't there. So they would just give it to another member of the time. Like, I kind of feel like you don't do that to Prince. Oh, no. You really don't do that to I'll, Prince. I'll get into it in a hot second, but yeah, they, they had a rough time of it. The performance scenes were shot in the First Avenue nightclub, which is a real venue in Minneapolis, and they've been oh, really? known to house... Yeah, yeah, it's a huh. real place. It's actually pretty historic. Um, in the book I read about it, you know, they say, we don't have CBGB anymore, we don't have a lot of famous places, but we still have First Avenue, and, you know, there have been a lot of famous acts coming in and out of there, especially the Midwesterners, so... Huh. It's a big deal. Warner Brothers paid them $100,000 in order to film there. They blocked it off for an entire month practically for wow. them. So Magnolia was known for doing an excruciating number of shots when filming. You know the reason why they were so behind. Right. And he wanted to set aside an entire month to film the concert series for each act. But Prince believed they could do it in one take. So they compromised on four takes. And this helped them to take down the time to film to less than 10 days. Well, that's good. So they actually ended up finishing filming on time. Huh. Yeah. So this they is where hustled. you- Right? This is where you can see, like, Prince's dedication actually paid off. All those times he made everybody watch the films and take dance lessons and take acting lessons. It's like, nah, now we're on point. We can do this in one or two takes. Right. We don't have to fucking do this all night. Yeah, that makes sense. So works out perfectly. The film premieres on July 26, 1984, and it saw a massive collection of celebrities from Eddie Murphy to the members of Kiss to Weird Al, huh. who couldn't help but make a joke saying, we all knew Prince was a great actor, but who knew he could sing? <laughs> That's my best Weird Al. Oh my Al. god. That's my best Weird Al. I fucking love Weird Al. <laughs> So see, it's still funny, guys. It's, I'm still bringing it up. He just says the like simplest shit, but it's so fucking it's, funny. It's so on point and it's so perfectly placed. Not to go off on a Weird Al tangent. I mean, I but, have a feeling most of our fans won't mind. <laughs> but 
when he was doing like the I love the 80s and I love the 90s commentaries, mm-hmm. there was one time when they were talking about those fucking baby on board oh. stickers <laughs> yeah, on, the, yeah, yeah. on the cars and his commentary on it was so fucking hilarious. I'm not going to do it justice, but he was basically like, oh, thank you for letting me know you have a child in your car because otherwise I was going to plow right into you. Yeah. <laughs> You weird Al. Thank you, weird Al. You get me, bro. Oh, he does, though. <laughs> so, like I said before, Prince and Morris Day not get along at this point. They famously avoided each other at the after party of the premiere. Mm-hmm. And throughout the filming, they were gradually wor- getting on worsening terms. And Prince was writing most of the time songs, and Morris was feeling creatively stifled. They wondered if they were a real band or just part of Prince's vision. Um, however, Wait, so they... More, Morris Day and the ba- and pff, whatever the fuck their name is. The time. Yeah, there we go. Um, they they were an actual band. They were, but apparently Prince did a lot of their music. Prince okay. has written a lot of music for everybody. everybody, right? But so Prince was doing, and I I I'm an asshole. I should have looked this up. People are gonna call me out because I normally do my research, but for some reason I think maybe he did their songs for this movie. Okay, so. Either way, they were starting to feel really like, well, are we just Prince's band now? Are we our own band? Like, what's going on? Well, the weird thing is that I mean, I sent you and a couple of our friends a video, mm. a really fucking impressive video of Prince and like Sheila E. Yeah. and other people doing a song. And we should post that on our Facebook because oh, it will. is such a good video. But the song that they're playing in that actually sounds like a Morris Day and the Time mm-hmm. song. So I was one I I was kind of confusing myself when I was watching the video because I'm like, wait, is this Prince song or is this Morris Day? Yeah. I'm not really sure who it is, but Prince probably wrote it. And then once the Morris Day and the Time kind of like, you know, went or but whatever, I- um, he probably just took the song back or just turned it into another song because he arguably did that too with Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares right and he's recorded himself plenty of times right I think as long as he wrote it he's like that's cool I'll let you have it but it is my song right I mean he if he still has the rights to it he it's his song he can do whatever he wants yeah and like you said with the time going (laughs) not too long after Purple Rain the time did break up yeah so unfortunately they did not last so they did not Stand the test of time. I'm leaving. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it came out to rave reviews. Siskel and Ebert put it on their top ten movies of the year. Seriously? Yup. This movie was a fucking hit. I there mean, were kids coming to see it four or five times. This was like a fucking Avengers movie. But did they see the sex scene? Because that was the most awkward sex scene. Allow me, ever. Ashley. <laughs> To tell you that Ebert said, I put this in my fucking notes, Ebert said that the film had, quote, the most erotic love scenes in a movie that I've seen in a long time. Well. Which, what are you doing, Ebert? What was your sex life like? Have you had sex? (laughs) Like, Because that's not how it goes. (laughs) Like Chris Rock had said, because he, like Eddie Murphy, huge Prince fans, and they said when they were kids, they would continually go to see the movie mm-hmm. because when you're like 14, that's super hot. I mean, much like I did with Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> very different. Wait a minute. There's no sex scenes in Lord of the Rings. No, 
But I went and saw it like 25 times in the oh, movie theater. I meant like he was saying because of the sex scene and because oh, they no. loved Prince. But oh, also no. the sex I just scene. I just went to see Lord of the Rings 25 times in the theater because of Legolas. Right. But now as an adult, I go and watch it 25 times because of Aragorn. And yeah. that's how you know you mature. You go from Legolas <laughs> to Aragorn. That's how you know. Legolas is the boy band. He's the fuck boy. He's the fuck boy. And then Aragorn is like. He's big. He's the man. Yeah. Mm. He's the mature man. Mm. Anyway, we digress. <sighs> Go hot in here. It is. It's kind of warm in here, but I think that's because I'm I'm sweating because of this cold. I was gonna say you're also sick. That doesn't help. Yeah. So aside from a few critics who didn't like all the flashy glam going on in the film, people were generally enamored with it. Finding it electrifying and honest, the music captivated everyone, and overall, the performances were impressive, especially considering they were all musicians, not actors. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also generally agreed that Morris and Jerome stole the show. Yes. Absolutely. With their fucking who's on first bit. Yeah. God damn it, that was hilarious. <laughs> so as for the soundtrack itself, this shit is tight. On June 25th, 1984, the soundtrack for Purple Rain came out, and it was a complete knockout of the park. Yes. came out probably about uh, three weeks or so before the film did, and it debuted at number 11. But by August, it was in the number one spot for 24 consecutive weeks. When, Do- Like I said, Doves Cry, Let's Go Crazy, Purple Rain, top in the charts. And the week after Prince's death, the album sold 69,000 copies, and it won Soundtrack of the Year at the American Music Awards in 2016. Really? Yup. Wow, that's awesome. Like, that kind of makes me almost sad <laughs> that Labyrinth, the soundtrack to Labyrinth, didn't do the same thing when David D- Bowie passed away. Fucking right. We because, did not realize we could have done that. Because I love the soundtrack to both movies, but right. you kind of forget that David Bowie does, like, all of the music for Labyrinth. Yeah. Like, all of it. The and Magic a- Dance is amazing. As the world falls down. Oh. Oh. So good. So good. But imagine that. Posthumously, he's still fucking just knocking it out. Yeah. But that also, Purple Rain is a goddamn solid piece of work. Goddamn solid. Yeah. The music was all written gradually before and during filming, and even after, since When Doves Cry wasn't even added until the editing process. So it was the first time he recorded and wrote with the revolution. And you could attribute that to kind of the richer sound of the music. You know, actually, again, he's going into more of a rock sound. Yeah. And the revolution definitely helped with that. Um, did he, did they actually perform when doves cry in the movie or was it just like an over? It was almost I d- like a music video within the movie. It's like yeah. a montage ish well the music scene? video for when doves cry is a montage of scenes from the movie i actually rewatched the when doves cry music video <laughs> oh my god it's so weird they have a couple scenes in the movie but it's not i thought it's the it was same the ones same. over and over again isn't it it's only like three or four clips it's barely yeah. in it. it's mostly just prince in that bathtub yeah and then at the end it's him and the revolution in these weird little paisley suits and they're all dancing around in the white Except in for, the white uh room yeah 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 yep. and then that weird face that cries at the end yeah you're like what the fuck well 80s you're so, weird but i have the purple rain vinyl mm-hmm. and in the vinyl there's a poster and it's 
Prince and the Revolution f- in that scene in oh. the white room with the face behind it. Is it weird that I love their outfits though? No, Except because they're fucking amazing. They're fucking amazing. Except I love Matt Fink is their keyboardist, their other keyboardist, and he was known as Dr. Fink, so he was dressed like a doctor. Oh, he was the guy who's always dressed in as scrubs. a surgeon? Yeah. He's so white. It's hilarious. Again, they are real. That's a real diverse band right there. (laughs) But seriously, if we could dress like that every day and get away with it, I 100% would. I think we could get away with it. I think we should go thrift shopping and watch out downtown Troy. The only thing I don't think I could get away with is the uh, poofy shirt with the ascot. We'll take the poofs out. It's fine. Yeah. We'll modernize it. Yeah. We'll bring it back. But a gold brocade suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can do that. Hell yeah. Who do says it. I haven't? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've seen the movie, then you know that there are other artists that perform their songs. Obviously, The Time, The Apollonia Six, Dez and his band. Like yep. They all do perform. And originally, Prince was going to have them all on the soundtrack, but end result, he didn't. Obviously. It was only his work in the revolution. Back then, everything was on vinyl and cassette, so there wasn't a vast amount of space like we're, like what we're used to now. Right. Now you can fit 20-something songs on a CD or a double CD, but on a cassette or a vinyl, you could do maybe, what, 10 it if was you like, were lucky? Depending on the size of the songs, five on one side, five on the other. Right. That's if they're short songs. I Usually mean, it was like eight. Again... You look at albums like the White Album, that shit's on four, or it's on two. No, fuck, it's on four. I'm pretty sure it's on four. It's on four records. I've been drinking, so I forgot my math again. Sorry. But yeah, so it's it's different. It's way different. Yep. It was, yeah. Sign of the Times. (coughs) The songs Baby I'm a Star, Take Me With You, and Purple Rain were all recorded at a live benefit concert for the Minnesota Dance Company and later had some overdubs edited in. This was also the first time that Wendy and Lisa performed live with the band. So those are the versions that ended up on the album, mm-hmm. which was pretty nice. And they did a fantastic job. Darling Nikki managed to ruffle some feathers with one Tipper Gore. You don't say. And thus, I fucking love that song. I love it so much. I know. That's your favorite Prince we, song. Well, we go back and forth. You like Purple Rain. Oh, I my like God. Darling I like Purple Rain is such a good song. I, I never said it's not. I it's know. a fantastic song. But like the minute I hear Purple Rain, I'm like, everybody shut the fuck up. I do the same Purple thing with, with Darling Nikki because it's just so right. fucking I mean, good. I mean, I love Darling Nikki as well, but it's I, we just yeah. have opposite feelings about those songs. Like, yeah. I get it. It's a good song, but like my song, <laughs> but like Purple Rain. I'm going to go cry in a corner now. (laughs) But that was when they started doing the parental advisory stickers. Yeah. Thanks, darling Nikki. Yeah. So like I keep fucking raving, the album stands on its own. It's pretty much perfect. There isn't a bad song on it. You don't have to skip a track. I genuinely mean that. Every song could be used as a single, but the entire thing also works as a cohesive piece. And journalist and critic Toure said, quote, The album takes us through the structure of a religious event by opening with the preaching of the word and ending with the audience being forgiven and baptized. Oh, yeah. I was like, that's quite poignant. But it was really fun listening to the album and prepping for this episode because this is just such a fun. I could listen to this a million times and not get sick of it. And speaking of the songs, I do want to spend a hot minute and discuss the movie's title track, 
Purple Rain. Because I, of course. Because of course. First of all, it's called Purple Rain. <laughs> Secondly, Blurple Rain. <laughs> I just like the word blurple, even though it's not a real word. It's fine. Prince was inspired to write a ballad because he had been following Bob Seger and noticing how successful Bob he was. Bob Seger? Yes. What? Because Bob Seger's also from the Midwest, just like Prince. Really? So, yep. So he's But seen... also he, like, planted himself in upstate New York. That's Bob Seger, right? I don't am know. I, am I thinking of... I know. I am thinking I know of Daryl Pete Seeger. I am thinking of Pete Seeger. Oh I'm yes, sorry. you are thinking of Pete yes. Seeger. Wrong Seeger. Wrong Seeger. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you may or may not know this, but a lot of motherfuckers plant themselves in upstate There's New York. There's so many celebrities up here. It's fucking annoying. We've still never creeped on Daryl Hall. I will one day. One day. I know where he lives. Don't listen to this, Daryl Hall. Mm. We never said that. But yeah, so he was following Bob Seger because, again, he's also a Midwesterner. And Prince was like, you know, he's so successful. Why? I can't figure it out. So he asks bandmate Matt Fink what made Bob Seger so special. And Matt told him it's because of his ballads, like Turn the Page and We've Got Tonight. So if Prince wanted to be a standout to the Midwestern audience, he needed a powerful ballad. That makes sense. So Prince came up with a basic chord progression and brought it to the revolution, saying he needed to find this thing. And it would involve this key and this tempo. So they just began jamming. And eventually, everyone contributed to an aspect of the song and turned it into a gut-punching hit that it became. Well, that's a nice collaborative thing. Yeah, it really is. Because Wendy spread out the chords and added suspensions. Lisa added high harmonies in the chorus. Matt played the piano riff at the end that added to Prince going into his falsetto. So everybody had a little part to play in Purple Rain. You know, that part of the movie where he's, where they're saying, hey, play our song and it's Purple Rain. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's kind of, it is a collaborative effort, just like in the movie. So it's kind of cute that they added that aspect in there. And it's kind of nice that that song ends up being the song that, like, pulls them back together. Right. As a band. Because there was so much tension because he would not listen to the fucking song. Right. Through the whole movie. And it's like, guy... Just listen to the fucking song, because it's probably real good. Right? The minute I heard the first chord, I'm like, yo, it's Purple Rain. Play it. What do you mean you don't like it? You don't like your own song? This is a great fucking song. And I got really offended at the man who wrote Purple Rain, because he wasn't giving Purple Rain its credit. You know what? This is turning into a weird inception. So what I never noticed was that Prince was nervous that the sound was a bit too close to Journeys Faithfully, which I'm like... Oh, I guess I could see uh, that. A little a little wait. bit. Like a touch. Which song is that? Purple Rain. He thought Purple I Rain know, was close to- I know. What Journey song? Faithfully. I d- <laughs> You're not helping <laughs> me. first? <laughs> I don't remember it. I can't. Um, I'm forever yours. Faithfully. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Thank you. (laughs) So he was nervous that it sounded too much like Faithfully. He calls up Journey's keyboardist, Jonathan (laughs) Kane, plays him an early demo of Purple Rain. And And he's like, nah, you're good. He was basically like, look, does this sound too similar? I don't want you guys coming for me. And they're like, nah, that's fine, bro. I mean, that's a good thing to do. Yeah. Like, it was kind of cool that he was like, I don't want to fucking step on your toes. So how does this sound to you? And he's like, it's fine. I don't, we don't really give a shit. We're journey. We're pretty happy where we are. Yeah. So as we got this song 
I don't know if you've ever heard it. <laughs> people like to sing it at karaoke and shit, but you no, know, you know what cool. people fucking like to sing at karaoke. Actually, thankfully, 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 <laughs> it's died down a little bit. But don't stop believing. Yeah, that's what you're thinking. Exactly. Of, which fuck, man. If I never hear that song again, it will be too soon. I actually really liked that song back in middle school, high school. When I was kind of getting into classic rock. Yeah, before you get sick of it. Before Family Guy. <laughs> I'm 100% blaming Family Guy. Yeah. That I was... don't think people really understood that it was a real song until Family Guy. And they're like, oh, this is funny. Oh, we should karaoke this song. No. No. You should never karaoke that song. Because you know, someone's going to come up and kick you in the nuts if you karaoke that song. Hold up. Maggie hot take right here. <laughs> hot, fresh off the presses. I fucking hate. When I'm at a karaoke, because you know I do that karaoke game a lot, and some motherfucker, it's like 9.30, and some motherfucker comes up and sings Faith, or not Faithfully, fucking Don't Stop Believing. I'm like, bitch, first of all, what are you doing? Second of all, yeah. this is a closing karaoke song. You do not sing this yeah. at the beginning of the night. But also, it's kind of like some asshole screaming Freebird at a rock show. Yes! Like, just stop it! 100% is the same fucking thing, like, except do you, karaoke. Do you understand how not funny you are right now? Oh, sing Freebird. Sing Freebird. Sing Don't Stop Believing. No. Fuck it's, off. It's 10 o'clock. We've got another three <laughs> hours, bitch. What are you doing? You just got up here. And they're doing the same with Bohemian Rhapsody now, and it's starting to piss me off. You, no. Don't make me hate Bohemian Rhapsody. <sighs> hey. Hey. Karaoke etiquette, don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> That's all I ask. Anyway, so as far as the lyrics, at the time, Prince was doing a lot of work with his friend Stevie Nicks. Really? Yeah. I didn't know they worked together. They were buds. And he helped her with Stand Back. I can see that. on it. Oh, I can see that. That's Yeah, that's got yep. Prince's fingerprints all over it. It does, though. It sure fingerprints? Does. No, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Animaniacs. Thank you. You Continue. Okay. So Prince decided that he wanted to ask her if she would consider writing the lyrics for his new song. He sends her this 10-minute demo of the music, and Stevie Nicks said, quote, It was so overwhelming that I listened to it and I just got scared. I called him back and said, I can't do it. I wish I could, but it's just too much for me. And I'm so glad that I didn't because he wrote it and it became Purple Rain. Yeah. Stevie Nicks was like, I'm in it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not in it. As for the title of the song, because who isn't like, what the fuck is a Purple Rain? Yeah. What is Purple Rain? It's simply summarized as a new beginning, purple, the sky at dawn, rain, the cleansing factor. So it's just cleansing and new beginnings. <laughs> purple. New beginning. Rain. A cleansing factor. Purple Rain by Prince. Near Perfume. <laughs> coming out in June. <laughs> and he just shows up out of nowhere. And then he just fucking disappears again. <laughs> Doesn't even say a fucking word. Why did he do that when Purple Rain came out? He could have made ten times as much money. There's also some weird facts that I want to get into. <laughs> Originally, they wanted John Travolta to play the kid. What? I'm going to let you sit on that. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. No, originally they wanted that, but fortunately they realized the prince was the only piece that would fit that role. Oh, that would have been horrible. The worst thing ever, yeah. 
The initial rough cut of the film ran about two hours and 20 minutes. Oh, that's too long. Yeah. And that was one of the <coughs> screenings that they were doing originally. And they thought, like, this isn't going to hit. And But the people in the audience actually liked it. Huh. They trimmed it down, but they didn't think it was going to go anywhere from there. I'm glad they trimmed it because oh yeah oh, that would have so, been rough yeah at, at times i was like how much longer is this movie yeah can we go back to another musical scene yeah uh throughout the creation of purple rain and even before it started prince was very close with lisa and wendy he especially enjoyed wendy because they had this playful banter comfortably without having to worry about any romantic tension because wendy's dating lisa she's a lesbian it's not no, gonna happen it's not gonna happen and prince could have fun with her and not even have to worry about it However, that didn't mean that he wasn't attracted to her. So imagine his surprise when he found out she had a twin sister. Oh boy. It was like Wendy only available. So he dates her twin for a while. That is creepy. Prince is well known for having many girlfriends at a time. Yeah. He he took his dad's advice. He never got married. (sighs) I feel like Prince can get away with it. I feel like if you're going to date Prince, you know what you're getting into. And I feel like he never really you know, made any kind of suggestion to anybody that he was going to ever be monogamous. Exactly. At all. Like, if you knew anything about Prince, you knew he wasn't going to, like, settle down and get married. Precisely. It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, he's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm uh, I'm a disappear. <laughs> I'm a disappear and date this lady. But and, and honestly, through reading the book, it seems like most everybody was like, yeah, I knew what I was in for. Yeah. Nobody felt surprised. And I'm sure being Wendy's twin sister, Wendy gave her the fucking lowdown oh, before she started dating 100%. him. 100%. That's yeah. what twins do. So Prince and Apollonia's sex scene was shot three different times for three different ratings. Apparently a G, a PG, and an R. Because... How can you have a... Hold up. It's the 80s. Do you remember what movies were like in the 80s? Legend is a rated G movie, and that would not be rated G anymore. But, yeah. It was dark as fuck. But it was so good. Oh, so good. I remember The Secret of Nim. They fucking swore at least twice. Like, no, but like, movies, they didn't give a fuck back. Oh my god, Watership Down was rated G, I think. I didn't watch that one. Oh, that's fucking dark. No, but Legends? Um, I loved Legend when I was a kid. Oh my god, and it was my favorite. The Lord of Darkness was sort of scary, I guess. No, I was scared but, shitless of Tim Curry as the Lord of Darkness. Like, it, the, the scary thing about him was his voice. Yeah. Because his voice was deep and like really harsh and very like intimidating but he was the same color as these hot dogs that you get (laughs) in upstate new york called glazier hot dogs and they're kind of like red hots but they're not hot they're delicious if you're ever in uh the potsdam area you should fucking get them because they're fucking delicious if you just compared the lord of darkness to glacier hot dogs glacier hot dogs Say it right, Maggie. Glacier hot dog. Or pay the price, <laughs> Budnick. Um, but no, he was the same color as the fucking hot dog. So whenever I s- would watch Legend, I'd be like, it's hot dog, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. That was a tangent. I forgot what I was talking about. Rated movies. Oh, yeah. The so sex filmed, scene. The sex, the sex scene in three different ways. Okay. And they ended up going, obviously, with the um, most The most awkward. R rating. Well, the R rating was the most <laughs> scandalous and awkward it was rumored that apollonia was dating david lee roth at the time (laughs) (laughs) 
but Prince told her that she can't see anyone romantically until after the movie came out to add some mystery to the film. Like, oh, are they really together? I mean, they probably boned, because who's not... You know, if you can bone Prince, you bone Prince. I figure any uh, female who probably worked with him also probably boned him. Aside why from the lesbians. Wouldn't, why wouldn't you? Yeah, might as well. I would have. Right? 100%. Even, like, when he was still alive a few years ago, still would have boned him. I don't think I would have. Nah, I would have. <sighs> Just to say it. Just to have that notch <laughs> on my belt. Albert Magnoli said he wrote the scene of Morris and Jerome throwing a woman in the dumpster because he had heard them saying that they actually did that once. Oh. He was insistent on keeping that in there because he's like, no, the, they did that. I mean, it was funny, but also, yeah, thanks. We'll get, we'll get to that. I have, one more, I have one more little weird fact before we get to our own little interpretations of the film. Mm-hmm. In case you were wondering what happened to the kid, fear not, for Prince wrote and directed a sequel called Graffiti Bridge. Oh, yeah, he did! Similar to the concept of Purple Rain, except this time the kid and Morris are competing club owners, and now Morris is trying to extort him in order to take over the entire club circuit in that area, and instead of Apollonia or any other female singers, this time there's an angel named Aura who was sent from heaven to encourage both kid and Morris to live more righteous lives. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't watch it, but I imagine it's probably weirder than Purple Rain. It sounds a lot weirder. And that's that's a feat. It was in 1990. It came out. That's kind of late. Yeah. I would have expected it only a few years after Purple Rain. Well, apparently right after... Like, Prince got sick of Purple Rain pretty quick. He got sick of touring. He didn't even... They didn't even do it. Which U- is kind of hilarious since he didn't do any promotional stuff for right. it. Right. But he was sick of it. And he just wanted to go do another thing. So he just made his next album by 1985. He was like, all right, I'm done. I'm going to do something else. They didn't even tour in Europe or Asia. Okay. They were just like, now nah, we're done. We're going on now. Do our own thing. <laughs> Get yeah. over it. Get over it. That's all we got. But uh, but we did see this movie recently for the first time. Yes. And, uh... <sighs> Alright, like... You do have to watch it with 80s goggles on. Like, fair warning, if you ever are to watch this film, you have to put your 80s glasses on. And by 80s, I mean probably 70s glasses on. Yeah, um... There's a lot of shit in it that would not fly. Oh. Now. If Not you're wondering if it passed the Bechdel test, the answer's hell no. No. No, it did not. I have to say, Morris and Jerome mm-hmm. were hilarious. Yes. Acting aside, the performances were fantastic. Oh, right. Taken at surface value, the movie was really fun. It was super entertaining. And it was pretty well done, for the most Cinematically, part. Cinematically, especially visually, it was filmed great right storyline wise i had some problems like what's going on here i appreciate the um inclusion of the domestic story abuse storyline um and and in saying that it's wrong (laughs) in in saying that like it's good that they brought the issue to the forefront yes, and put it in a negative light, as in this is bad, this is affecting, you know, families, this is, you know, not something that should be happening between the parents, yeah, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 
there are there were some parts in the movie where Prince like I I I get that they were trying to show that domestic violence affects children mm-hmm. because they had parts where Prince was abusive towards Apollonia. Yeah. And that shit was like real uncomfortable. I would still be okay with them showing that if they were showing it in a way that said domestic abuse um, affects children also. And this can be a fucking trait that is passed down from parent to child. And I think they were trying to, but the problem was that they weren't. They fucked that up. Yeah, they weren't being very blatant about it. It was a very um, subverted topic. Yeah, it just made it seem like, oh, the kid is exactly like his dad. Yeah. And he hit Apollonia and he doesn't even have to apologize for it because he didn't fucking apologize so, for never. it. And she went right back to him. And at the end, he still gets the girl. Because let's hold up. <clears throat> really, if you look at it from a woman's standpoint, mm-hmm. what you can take away from this film. And I'm going to be saying this in the most negative light. Chase a cute boy. Cute boy makes you do shitty things, but he's cute. So it's OK. Right. But then he hits you and then you kind of walk away. But then he almost hits you again, and you're like, but I'm still not around here. But then at the very end, he sings a song to you, and it's a really pretty song, so it's so all it's okay. okay. So it's fine. Just sing a real pretty song, and I'll forgive you. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what I get from it from a female standpoint. Like, but yeah. really, though? And you, and you don't have to say you're sorry, but you can just uh, he sing this song. He says it. Yeah. I just, like, even all. if just, I think the movie, for me, would have been 100% different if he just at one point was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. But I don't, I also don't think that that's something that he would do. And at the same time, even if he did say, I'm sorry, you still shouldn't go back to him. Because every dude that hits somebody says, I'm sorry, and then fucking hits him again. Yeah. It's just more insulting when it's like, you don't even apologize. Yeah. You just fucking did it. It's like, oh, you're cute, and you sang a great song. And on top of that, he fucking hit her for the first time after she spent all of her money buying him a guitar. On a beautiful guitar. Oh, that was infuriating. I was like, what am I... That was the point where I'm like, what am I supposed to be getting out of this fucking movie? Yeah. Because I'm not getting shit right now. And on top of that, every scene that they had together leading up to that scene where she gave him the guitar and then he fucking hits her was basically like him taunting her. Yeah. And saying, oh, well, I like you, but I'm going to insult you. Yeah. But I'll bat my eyelashes at you and... Those are some nice eyelashes. <laughs> I'll mesmerize you, but then I'll treat you like a dick, and then you're gonna buy me a guitar, and then I'm gonna fucking hit you. Like, yeah, what? I I don't get it. It's definitely something that wouldn't. If it wasn't for the performance scenes, that shit would not hold up today. No, Purple Rain holds up because it is shot very beautifully, and the performance scenes are amazing. And watching them perform is so amazing. And also everybody now is living for the nostalgia of it. It has a huge nostalgia factor. Yeah, the Um, fashion and the music and everything. Yeah, but I also think not a lot of people realize that there's like domestic abuse in it. Um, I I didn't realize. I had no idea there was domestic abuse in it, but you know. You watch these things and you learn. You're like, oh, I feel awkward about this. 
almost as awkward is for the sex scenes. <laughs> oh, Jesus so Christ. So if you remember during um the When Doves Cry montage, there's that sex scene in the barn. And yep. apparently that was originally filmed, but they just... Apollonia apparently was that. too... Like, she was overacting, I guess. And then Prince was looking awkward about it. So they're like, this looks awkward. Let's not put this in. But they had like a two second shot of it. Yeah. In because you they, they can't see either of their faces. Yeah. And then at one, that was the one point in the movie where I was like, when the fuck were they in a barn? They were never in a what? barn in the movie. Where did they find a barn? Right? I don't even know where this yeah, is. Yeah, they, they just threw that in the is window. Is this a dream? Right? On? Yeah, there was definitely a what part is real and what part's a dream when that yeah. one when Dove's Cry scene was up. Um, there was a lot of hay in that barn. I will say that that did inspire my very close second favorite Prince song, Raspberry Beret. Wait, what did? Raspberry, uh, the sex scene in the barn because oh, it in did? Raspberry Beret he brings a girl to the barn and has sex with her and that's the first time he has sex. Oh. It's about a kid loses virginity in a barn to this very experienced older woman. Oh. And I love that song. That's a fucking choice ass song. If I couldn't have Purple Rain, I will have Raspberry Beret. Although, I don't understand the lyrics. Built as she was, she had the nerve to ask me if I planned to do her any harm. Right, because like, she's like... Are you she, saying she's fat? No, I think he's saying <laughs> that she's a fucking tough bitch. Okay, who's good. like that's how I always interpret it. Is like she's this older, maybe taller, because Prince is short and he's real. Yeah, kinda, he's kind of skinny. That's why he wears high heels. He wears high heels. So like, imagine like this five foot eight woman, and she probably goes to the gym. She's real fucking thick, but mm-hmm. like in that muscular way. All right. And she's like, playing to me in harmony. He's probably like, bitch, you could break me on your <laughs> knee, and they disappears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I imagine that's what he meant by that. That's I what I choose to believe. I hope. Maybe he learned from Purple Rain, but he didn't. Because came uh, in the 80s and the 90s, I read that they did an interview with him where he said, yeah, I get it. Some people are bothered by the misogyny, but like it was all tongue in cheek. It was supposed to be funny. We weren't, we weren't trying to offend anybody, so I'm sorry if you were offended. It was that typical... I'm sorry if you were offended. Yeah, I'm sorry you had feelings about this. But that was from, I, th- I think it was in the 80s that that interview happened. So I'm willing to kind of like brush it under the rug because honestly, it wasn't until the 2010s that guys really started to be like, but really, maybe I'm being a piece of shit. But really, I I would have expected more from Prince Yeah, on that. Like, I was actually surprised at how much kind of misogyny... Was yeah. was in the, not just in the movie, but just came from him. Period. Yeah, because there were there were interviews and stuff that I've watched and I've read from him that I was like, "Are you really saying that right now?" Because that's really insulting yeah. to women. Yeah. And but at the same time, I mean, he was a total womanizer. Yeah. So I guess you shouldn't. I I, I don't know. That's the weird thing about Prince is that on one hand. He was a total womanizer, but at the same time, on the other hand, he was a very androgynous person, and right. he surrounded himself with such diverse people that you would have thought it's, that it's, he wasn't, that he wouldn't say shit like that. Right. It's hard to really pinpoint where he's coming from because, yeah, I think he just didn't think about things, and I don't mean that in a shitty way. I mean that, like, 
I think he just did what he wanted and he didn't think of things yeah. in a context like, oh, you're a woman, I don't like that. Or, oh, you're a guy. I think he was just like, I'm going to do this. And so he did that. Right. And didn't really think twice about it or think about what other people, how other people are going to perceive it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess. I mean, and whatever, he's dead now, so. <laughs> that came out wrong. He's but dead it didn't, now, but so it doesn't dead. matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> you know, you only live once. So remember that. Guys, you only live once. Think about what you want your legacy to be. Yeah. Also, I just heard on the radio the other day that um, there there was some kind of ruling in his death where yeah. um, he actually did not know he was taking, oh, what was the drug? Fentanyl? Oh, yeah, fentanyl. He actually didn't know he was taking fentanyl. It was laced. Fentanyl. It was uh, laced Valium or something yeah. that he got from somebody else. So the doctor that prescribed that drug to Prince's friend that gave it to Prince just got slapped with like a $30,000 fine or something like I don't that. I think that makes up for the Which loss it of really, it really doesn't. But I mean, it's, it's kind of nice to know that it, Prince wasn't some secret druggie. I didn't, that we think, didn't, know. He, I mean, I didn't well, think so either. And if actually, if you watch, watch Purple Rain, it is a, it's a fun, it's a fun watch. Yeah. MST3K it, get the DVD, watch it at home with your <laughs> friends, get a couple beers. It's really hilarious. Yeah. Um, the performances are amazing, but when you watch him, you're like, oh, I get why he was in constant pain, why he had early onset arthritis oh, yeah. and shit. Like, he fucking threw himself around that stage. Dude did a number on his joints. He was throwing himself around like a ragdoll. Seriously. But it was, it's amazing to watch. And after that, I was like, oh, I get why he was in so much pain. Yeah. And that said... He wasn't a druggie. He was just using drugs that were prescription opioids, which aren't great, but it was laced and that wasn't his intention. And he was probably taking what he needed to take to kind of keep the pain away. Right. And I mean, arguably, Prince, too, needed to have some semblance of control on his life. And I think if he was a huge druggie, he wouldn't have that. Right. And I just I think drugs just weren't his thing because he never really did drugs at all during his entire adult life he yeah he you never was not hear, a drug you person. never heard weird drug conspiracies with prince so. yeah so yeah that was but that's that's definitely it's nice to know it was nice completely accidental yeah but also really shitty to know that it was completely accidental yep can so. you imagine oh prince is still around also too you know watch purple rain but also watch his performance from the 2007 super bowl yeah we should post those things. Oh, fuck. I'll, I'll on definitely, all the things. I will definitely post that because, oh, God, when he does Purple Rain. <gasps> oh, it's so good. Purple Rain is just the best song. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Anyway, so I guess I guess we can just tie it up in a nice little bow at this point. Nice purple bow. Nice little purple bow. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to Rock Candy Podcast. We appreciate you so much. Love and if, you. Proud love of you. you. Proud of you. <laughs> if you like what you hear, please rate and review us on iTunes. We would love the love. Um, you got any suggestions or maybe just some feedback, you can always email us at contact us at rockcandypodcast.com. Just we're, go on our website. That's also there as well. We're always down for uh, topic suggestions. Seriously. I mean, we need got, to start making our schedule for not, a few months after yeah, the, for the summer. Yeah. We got to make, make summer schedule. So if you throw something in there, maybe we'll plop into it. You never know. You know, follow us on the things. Follow us on Twitter at rockcandypod. And then follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rock Candy Podcast. 
I think that's all of our things, really. All the things. All the things. Just follow us. Talk to us. We're fun. We're good time. We like you guys. You guys like us. We're kind of nice. Hey, I I think we're lovely. <laughs> I think we're a pleasure. I try to be nice. I think you're very nice. Thanks. I'm also really sick right now. You are. So. <laughs> you are a little sick. I really want to post this pile of Kleenex oh, next to you. Oh, it's just my fucking germ melon. I love it. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with my disgusting noises. I'll try. Uh, hopefully I've edited out as much as humanly possible. Please do. Edit out that one I just did, too. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I'll try. Fine. Try and count. All right, kids. So, uh, you know, keep it real. Tune in next week for more crazy stories from the rock world. We'll hear from you later. Party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. Party on, you crazy kids out there.